Good evening. Good evening, everybody. It's good to be back for the weekly Bible study. There is so much of depth in the word of God. We can know everything about God only through the word of God. And it's important for us to know the nature of God, character of God. And we are created beings. So it is good to know our creator and what he has in store for us. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you for this time, O oh Lord. We pray, Lord, you will superintend over this entire session as we study the word of God. We pray you will minister to us, O oh Lord. Today you speak to us. At least, Lord, we pray that at least we'll be able to grasp one truth, O oh Lord, Something will touch us, Lord, impress upon our hearts. And Lord, not only will we be touched by the word of God, we will give us the grace to follow those instructions, O oh Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who have great delight in your commands. Make us people who will delight in your word. Holy Spirit, take control of the entire session. Let all glory be to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. We are back into the book of Proverbs, the path to wisdom. Uh, we are studying knowing the heart and under this topic of knowing the heart, uh, we have been seeing different headings, under different headings we have been studying. Uh, we have studied understanding the heart, uh, reordering desires, and last Wednesday we just spoke about understanding temptation and we just completed one uh, topic that is rational thinking. Now, what is rational thinking? And, uh, after all, we say Christianity um, you know, encourages rational thinking. But uh, if we take it to the extreme, uh, then this rational thinking itself will become God. Uh, that's the challenge. We have to God. <clears throat> we have to always have the word of God as the, you know, which will guide us, which will put a, uh, you know, stop to our thinking, because it's question of the nature of God. From the time um, the fall of man, man has always been trying to find meaning, purpose. And it is in the process, uh, he creates God of his own imagination. Uh, that's where rational thinking comes. And he, he tends to say, this is okay, this is not okay. Uh, but it is not in reference to God, but it is in reference to his God of his thinking and of his liking. Uh, that's why we need to be, Satan comes and uses this rational thinking. Uh, today, we'll see the second thing, that is the stages of temptation. Uh, temptation has stages. 
we can always discern that, we can find out, and we can also feel in our lives, temptation is not one step, uh, just that it in one step we committed sin. No, there are stages of temptation. So the first stage of temptation is rationalization. Uh, we are studying from the book of Proverbs chapter seven, though he portrays about a young man walking down the street and how uh, a woman tries to take hold of him. And though it's an act of adultery, the wise man tries to portray that this is a temptation takes place. Uh, it's quite sensational, but it is not only in terms of adultery, it is also in terms of other temptations. So uh, the description is so vivid and so clear, it will help us to understand uh, how we can, how we are tempted, what are the stages of temptation and how we can overcome temptation. So the first comes rationalization. What happens here? Proverbs 7, 14. Today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. Uh, you know, rationalization, justification, giving reason, uh, giving a solid reason. Even before we commit sin, there is a solid reason. We justify. We say it is fine. It is okay. Today I have fulfilled my vows. Oh, wow. Here is a spiritual woman who says I have fulfilled my vows. And she says there is a fellowship offering at home. So it's understood because it is a fellowship offering, we need to share. You know, the food, it is something God has given us this opportunity to share this fellowship offering. This is the rationalization. Remember, they must always find a way um, to reconcile their adultery with their self-image as still being good people. Uh, though the act, they're not talking about the act, they want to retain back of their mind that is different, but they want to retain their self-image as still being good people. Uh, there are many ways to do this. Uh, uh, for example, uh, the self-pitying man who works very hard and he feels pity for himself. And he says, I work so hard. I earn so much. I take care of my family. I provide for my family. They don't even recognize, they don't even acknowledge. So it's okay for me to have an affair with another woman. You see, that's the way the rationalization works. And in, in organizations, sometimes we say, everybody is doing this, so it's okay, I can also do this. That's how rationalization takes place. Everybody is doing this, so I can also do this. Since everybody is doing this, it must be okay. We are not asking whether it is okay with God or not, since everybody's doing. Uh, quite often we find in the schools when the, there is mass copying, 
because you will find even in the midst of that mask copying, there may be one or two students who will not copy because their convictions are very strong. But those whose convictions are not so strong, they will say everybody was doing. In fact, the invigilator said, you can do this. So it is as though he has given the approval and the students tend to copy. So this is the first stage of patient rationalization. Now, I'll be comparing this uh, with what happened in the Genesis account in Genesis chapter three, so that you will not even think that is this chapter is only for those you know, who want to visit a red light area or something. It's not like that. Though he is portraying a picture like that, it is for all temptations. So I'll be drawing your attention to Genesis chapter three. Now let us see the first stage of temptation in Genesis chapter three. Genesis 3, 1, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? By asking this question, the serpent wants Eve to rationalize. No, God did not say. So the, the serpent is sowing a seed into Eve's mind so that she can rationalize. And this is what happens in temptation. Uh, for all of us, you can consider whenever you feel that you have been tempted, you can see whether this is, this is true or not. Uh, the first stage is always rationalization. We have to tell ourselves what we are doing is okay. We deserve it. It is okay, it is okay. Uh, if you say it is not okay in the first stage, then we will not even come to the second stage. So the very first stage, uh, we are rationalizing. What is the second stage? The second stage is we believe an overpromise. What's meant by overpromise? An inflated view, uh, a flattery. In fact, you deserve this. You know, you are the only person who deserves this. Uh, you, you are something special. You need to have this. You can achieve so much by doing this. If you don't do this, you'll miss out. It, it is something like an overinflated view that will show an, uh, a cosmic picture. My goodness, if you don't do this, you have... Uh, you know, you will never get this opportunity again. So the second stage is we believe and over promise. Uh, so the, here what the woman says, Proverbs 7, 15. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. You know what this word, these words mean? The, the woman is saying, in fact, all my life, I was looking only for you. In fact, I was waiting for you. I was searching for you. That's, that's the way she's enticing that person. And uh, it is that, you know, you are my life. So I came out to meet you. Uh, that's, the, that's the way devil deceives us. 
Let's go back to Genesis, Genesis 3, 5. God, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Eve, so what's going, what you're going to get, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You know, why should you accept a status like this? You will be like God. That's the way devil tempts us. Uh, and what is the third stage? You know, now imagine the person was tempted like this. His mind, yeah, there is a reason for his mind. And the heart, the heart now desires. Now the mind has been convinced. The heart desires. Now what is left out? There's nothing left. Now, what is the third stage? The titillation of the senses. You know, our senses. Uh, once this happens, then there is no stopping of the temptation. That's where you find, you know, how this woman is um, tempting him or how she's making the sensuous appeal. Uh, Proverbs 7, 17 to 18. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. She started with a, a sacrifice, a fellowship offering, and see where she has landed. But now it's extremely difficult for the young man to stop. It is nearly impossible for that young man to say no. Uh, he will just follow her. That is the power of the temptation. Now, we should realize uh, that temptation is impossible uh, at this stage to completely avoid. It's impossible. Now, go to Genesis chapter, Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. You know, she has rationalized good for food. In her mind, she rationalized it. It is good for food. In her heart, she said, it is desirable for gaining wisdom. And now the eyes saw that fruit and it was pleasing to the eye. Nobody can stop it. So she took some and ate it. This is how temptation uh, works in our lives. Uh, this is how we are being tempted. Uh, that's, that's the way the wisdom literature teaches us. And it is no from Genesis chapter 3. It is the same. Uh, Martin Luther said, uh, while you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, you can stop them from making nests in your head. Uh, in other words, the first stage is something we cannot avoid. 
the thoughts that creeps into our mind at different stages, we cannot avoid that. But we can stop things before they take control of our lives. Now, what is your take on these stages of temptation? What is your take? Uh, how do you see this? Because we have always read Proverbs 17 uh, purely from something that's happening in a red light area. It, uh, it doesn't apply to me. Or uh, So now, uh, if you see uh, this book, the wisdom book, and when we study the stages of temptation, how do you see this chapter? And what are your views? Is it making any, um, is there any meaning? Is it making any sense? Uh, is it true? Is it so true? What are, what's your take? Uh, yes, Pastor, I feel like it all starts with small steps. You uh, try out something and slowly that becomes more addicting. That, that's what um, I've experienced. Yeah. Others? Anyone? This uh, chapter, I used to avoid thinking it's more for the adulterous woman, but I, there's something else that I'm beginning to learn from this chapter, Pastor. Yes, sure. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that, that has been our usual thing because when we read, we just think in terms of um, a young man, a foolish man walking down the street and uh, another Zoom standing there. But uh, it's much more than that. Uh, it teaches us, uh, it, you know, it is, it is illustrating graphically. Uh, that's wisdom literature. It's illustrating gra graphically how we fall into temptation. Uh, so the, that's the thing. Now, we, uh, do you think there's any more stages to this temptation or that's all? I've, I've uh, talked about three stages. Do you think there's something more than this? We saw rationalization. Uh, then we saw that uh, you know it's an inflated promise, uh, much more than what the situation can offer. And then it makes an appeal to the senses. Now, do you think there's much more than this, or that's all? Uh, that justification comes almost like um, rationalization. Uh, is there something more to this? Something more? Or do you feel that's all three stages are there? That's over. Uh, we have, all of us, we have fallen prey to temptation. 
so what do you think? When we have fallen prey to temptation, um, what do we think? Have you ever thought about something more? Okay, uh, now we'll see the next one. Uh, we have to tell ourselves no consequences. Uh, this is the another stage of temptation. We have to assure ourselves that there'll be no consequences. Uh, there'll be no real consequences. Because, <clears throat> for example, uh, when people misappropriate uh, in any organization, uh, they always feel that nobody will uh, find out. You know, we hear about so many financial frauds. Uh, you can talk about any number of frauds uh, in any different ways, but they've all justified, you know, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. So <clears throat> when we fall into temptation, uh, we also tend to assure ourselves there'll be no consequence. Why there'll be no consequence? Now, I'll, I'll um, draw your attention from Proverbs chapter 7, Proverbs chapter 7, 19 to 20. Young man, there'll be no consequences. Why? My husband is not at home. Okay, he has gone on a long journey. It is not he's going to return tomorrow, day after tomorrow. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. You don't know how many more days left for that. So no consequences. My husband is not home and will not be home till full moon. See the way that wise man has portrayed the stages of temptation. Uh, this is how we are tempted. There'll be no consequences. Uh, temptations will be extremely powerful if you, no one will ever know. We all tend to commit sin in secret because no one will ever know. Uh, let me uh, speak to married people. Uh, if both the spouses are able to freely share their laptops, mobiles, bank accounts, emails, etc., uh, it can keep them from many pitfalls. If your screen is wide open for everyone to see, uh, this, these are all the precautions we take. We are human beings. It is not only that young man who walked down the street. It is Pastor Abraham can walk down the street. It may not be the same street, but the actions and consequences will be the same. So it is not that we are going to visit a red light area. But it can happen in a very subtle way. 
So we have to be careful because temptation is extremely powerful because no one will ever know. Uh, for Let me speak to the young people. Young people should have some good accountability partner, good friends with whom they are accountable, people who share the same value system. Uh, it'll help them. They will not fall into temptation. Who, who, who can you know, challenge you, who can tell on your face, I don't think what you're doing is right. Uh, we should look for some accountability partners. Now for children, children, whenever they feel that there is something to hide, of course, they'll hide only from their parents. Uh, that shows there is something wrong. Uh, this you could have observed right from, you know, at a, uh, at a very, very early stage. A two-year-old child, you know, have you seen the child taking something and just hiding behind her back? Have you seen that? That is human nature. Because the child is basically trying to hide. Uh, child thinks no one has seen me. Though we can see what's behind her and what she's doing, uh, the child feels like that. So children, when they grow up, whenever they feel that they have to hide, it could be a novel they are reading, it could be a website they are accessing. As I said that, if you think your parents are coming and you have to click, or you have to shut it down and switch over to something else, then it is not so good. Uh, at the same time, parents should not snoop over their children's activities. There has to be a balance. Parents should trust their children. Parents should help their children. We are living in a very seductive, seductive world. Uh, the, we are in a very, very, uh, we are on a slippery ground. It's only the word of God which can build us up, uh, especially with, with uh, the internet, the kind of information that's available. Th there's good thing, you know, you can get wonderful things from the net and you can also get the, the most useless things from the net filthy things from the net. So it is a constant uh, struggle of negotiating this, uh, this tough world. And uh, we have to be careful. This is where temptation comes. Temptation is not that on the red light area, but the, the sequence is the same. The sequence is the same. Uh, yeah, for example, you know, um, many of the links will say, you click here, uh, that's the first stage. You click and say, oh, there's nothing wrong. And then you get something and then something, it leads to something. And then uh, sometimes uh, people are hooked onto such things. So the wisdom is to say no in the first place. Uh, so we have to guard ourselves. Uh, in fact, it is not that we have to go to a red light area. 
In fact, the red light area has come to the screen right now. I think we have to understand the seriousness. Uh, we, we don't have to fall into it and then start trying to get out of it. That's a big, big struggle. Uh, but um, we are living in a dangerous world. There's no doubt about it. But we need to be careful. Uh, remember, when we say that there'll be no consequences, no one will ever know, what we are basically saying is God does not exist. The moment we say that I'm going to this place, I'm all alone, no one will ever know, what I'm saying is God does not exist. Uh, remember, there will always be a heavy cost whenever we contravene God's spiritual and moral order. In fact, God's laws are proved by the consequences we face by contravening it. The, the, the reality of God's laws are proved uh, by the consequences we face by contravening those laws. So we should always realize that there will always be a heavy cost for transgressing God's spiritual and moral order. Don't we feel? Um, don't we? Don't we regret? I wish I had not done that. I wish I didn't visit that place. I wish I didn't do this, because there is something. There's a heavy cost because we have transgressed God's order, and so we struggle. There is a cost. And how does the wise man say in Proverbs, uh, how does he say in Proverbs chapter seven? Uh, he says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her. How did he follow her? Like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Have you realized? Till an arrow pierces his liver. Till the stage he will say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then he realizes, when an arrow pierces his liver, little knowing it'll cost him his life. God will always know. It is not that God does not exist. God will always know. All the things we do, God knows. Uh, and how does, we can tell when we are tempted I don't want to do this because God is seeing, God is watching, God knows what I'm going to do. How Satan tempts us? Satan tempts us by assuring us that we can always repent later. After all, your God is a loving God. He has forgiven your sins. You can always repent later. Have you experienced the satanic device? 
I'm not going to ask the nature of temptation. All I'm asking is, have you experienced this satanic device? Is it true or are we just making out a case uh, from Proverbs chapter seven? So being 62 years old, I can say many times. Yes, Pastor. Yes. Uh, anybody, anybody else? Anybody else? Those of you who have experienced temptation, can you identify yourself with this stage? Yes, Pastor. Two people have mentioned yes. Yeah, so yes. Taruna, yeah, yes. Okay. Now, you know, I used to always tell that Satan will always show us the picture before he pushes us into the pit. Uh, that's the way we fall into temptation because I have always felt in my life um, because he has shown the picture, he never showed us the pit and for we fall enough to that. Uh, we think it's full of picture and then we don't see the pit. Now, uh, there was a 17th century uh, Puritan pastor uh, by name Thomas Brooks. Uh, he has written, uh, yeah, in fact, it's a booklet. It's on internet, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Uh, now, he has listed uh, how Satan, you know, that's the way they used to preach in 17th century. They were so strong in the word of God and they used to preach. And now uh, uh, he has listed uh, several, uh, he has li listed several devices. Uh, now I'll just uh, point out uh, 10 devices. Uh, if you are taking down notes, probably you will not be able to write it down. So you can just take a picture and see uh, something like that because it, it's all, I'm not going to sit and explain each and everything, but they're all self-explanatory. Uh, it's in old English. Sometimes it's very difficult to understand, but I've tried to make it um, as readable as possible. Now, what Thomas Brooks, uh, what does Thomas Brooks say? He says the several devices that Satan has to draw souls to sin. Uh, Satan is very clever and he uses several devices. The first one is to present the bait and hide the hook, to present the golden cup and hide the poison, to present the sweet, the pleasure and the profit that may flow in upon the soul by yielding to sin and by hiding from the soul, the wrath and misery that will certainly follow the committing of sin. Um, to that, I have added Genesis 3, 4, and 5, okay? Uh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it from, from your eyes, uh, when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, these used to be their sermons. 
if you had been in his church on a Sunday morning, this will be his sermon. He's listing uh, the sermon devices, the Satan's devices. Uh, how often do we hear sermons like this in the present day context? Uh, see the second device. By painting sin with virtuous colors, uh, pride in the garb of self-confidence, stinginess in the garb of frugality. Frugality is basically, you know, I'm very careful with my finances. I, I don't want to waste. Uh, that is stinginess in the garb of frugality, covetousness in the garb of industry and wisdom. I need to have three, four houses. I want to be very wise with my investment. It is, it's covetousness and drunkenness to be good fellowship. Uh, you know, it is just, I don't drink. I just drink for, my, for social. You know, these are the, this is the way uh, Satan tempts us. He paints in with virtuous colors. Now the third device, by moderating and lessening of sin. You know, Satan says, it is but a little pride, a little worldliness, a little uncleanness, a little drunkenness. That's the way the Satan tempts. It's okay if you're proud for a little while. After all, you have worked hard. You have to show yourself you're strong. Uh, that's the way Satan tempts us. Uh, the fourth one is, uh, if you want to take a picture, you can just take, uh, I'll go to the fourth one. The fourth one is by presenting to the soul the best men's sins and by hiding from their soul, the soul, their virtues, by showing the soul their sins and by hiding from the soul their sorrows and repentance as by setting before the soul the adultery of David, the pride of Ezekiah, the impatience of Job, the drunkenness of Noah, the blasphemy of Peter, and by hiding from the soul, the tears, the sighs, the groans, the sacrifices of these precious souls. The fifth, I don't think I have to explain. The fifth, to present God to the soul as one made up all of mercy. I just put in within the brackets as hyper grace. This is what they treat. To present God to the soul as one made up all of mercy, hyper grace. The sixth one, by persuading the soul that the work of repentance is an easy work and that therefore the soul need not make such a matter of sin, but he who tempts you to sin upon the account that repentance is easy will bring you to despair and forever destroy your soul and represent repentance as the most difficult and hardest work in the world. It's quite interesting. Satan first tells us, no problem, you do this and you can always repent. After all, God is a God of mercy and this is the way he tempts. And once the person commits that sin, he will say, you're doomed now. He will bring you to despair. And he will say, uh, repentance, how can you repent? 
how can you of all the people in the world how dare you repent he makes repentance as the most difficult and hardest work in the world when people say we can keep repenting yes you can keep repenting but it's not possible to repent because once the heart heart gets hardened uh, it's difficult to repent the seventh one by making the soul bold to venture upon the occasions of sin satan says you may walk by the harlot's door though you won't go into the harlot's bed you may sit and sup with the drunkard though you won't be drunk with the drunkard uh, interesting this is the old english in other words you are after all just walking along the red street you are not going to visit any of those places you just want to see that you are you are just browsing you are not going to get hooked on to that uh you are just giving company to the drunkard after all you know drinking is bad and you are not going to drink you are you are just going to sit with him you will never get you know you are, you will never drink after all you know yourself you have control yourself uh, that's the way satan tends us the next one is by representing to the soul the outward mercies that vain men enjoy and the outward miseries that they are freed from while they have walked in the ways of sin basically is saying you look outside people see the kind of life they lead they don't care for god but see how much they are enjoying see your struggles see they have no struggles their life goes according to their plan you can never plan you say there's a god with you what happens to you you see this is the way the devil tempts us what's the ninth one by presenting to the soul the crosses losses reproaches sorrows and sufferings that do daily attend those that walk in the way of holiness satan says don't you see that there are none in the world that are so troubled and afflicted like you you are the most miserable person in this company you are the only believer in the company and you are the most believed you know, uh, miserable person see the kind of life see others everything moves no problem they are not troubled they have no afflictions that's the way satan trouble tempts us the last one by working them to be frequent in comparing themselves and their ways with those that are reputed reputed or reported to be worse than themselves this is the other way you look at worse people you look at people who keep cheating or who people who commit adultery who keep drinking who keep gambling and then you in a certain says oh you are so good and that's what happened to the pharisee in luke chapter 18 11 and 2 12 the pharisee stood by himself and prayed god i thank you that i am not like other people robbers evil doers adulterers and even like this tax collector i fast twice a week and give a tenth of all i get satan is very clever and this is the way he tempts us now we any questions you have before we go to the next one
Okay, if there are no questions, the next one is the defense. Uh, suggest few ways in which we can overcome temptation. Suggest at least one way in which we can overcome temptation. Walk away from that place. Walk away from the walk away from that place. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon. Anybody else? Walk away from that place. Word of God. Thank you. Anybody else? Resist the temptation and submit to God. Resist the temptation and submit to God. Uh, keeping ourselves busy. Uh, the question is busy with what? Uh, keeping ourselves busy, busy with what? Uh, we have to define that. Uh, uh, busyness, uh, because uh, the, what happens is when we get addicted to busyness, uh, we will not find time for meditation. Meditation will look like waste of time. Uh, your company of God children, sure, yes. That's the accountability that helps us. Uh, good. All this helps us. Now, uh, name uh, one way for each by which we can overcome our desire for. Okay. It is specific. So the answer has to be specific. For money. Because we saw that our hearts are trapped by desires. So we will be tempted by our own desires. Uh, so when we are tempted by our own desires, how do we overcome? You can suggest for this money. We learn to be generous. Learning to be generous. Okay. Uh, specifically, how do we do that? To be content with what we have. Yeah, to be content with what we have. Yes. Content, generous, generosity. Then? Uh, the enemy, uh, enemy of God is money, number one. And uh, trusting, trusting God for our, for our needs. That God is a loving God. That he is ultimate and he is satisfied. Yes, uh, yeah, detachment from money. Uh, detachment from money. Um, uh, money is not evil. Uh, money is good. But how we handle money, uh, it makes us, because when we use, uh, when we say detached, uh, you know, money is after all a gift from God. God gives us. So uh, when we say, uh, should we, is it evil? Money is neutral. So should we be detached? Uh, love of money is evil. Love of money is evil. But when we acknowledge that all that we have, we have received from God. And uh, I would put it this way. Uh, one of the way we can uh, take care of this is not by, you know, not by saying how much we are giving. Uh, one of the ways is 
what is the percentage of income I'm giving? Because when my salary, when somebody's salary is 100 rupees, uh, to give 10 rupees is not a big issue. And when his salary is 1000 rupees, to give 100 rupees is not a big issue. If it is 10,000 rupees, to give 1000 rupees is not a big issue. And it is one lakh to give 10,000 is not a big issue. Now see what's happening. Now what's happening is we can justify ourselves with the amount we give. After all, um, that one lakh also God only has given us. So it is not, the best way is if you are giving 2%, can we do that 3%? Uh, can we do it 4%? Can we give it 5%? Not making it a regulation. If we are giving 10%, can we make it 11%? Can we make it 10.5%? This is the way we, uh, we can overcome our love for money. Okay, the next thing is power. Uh, you remember we have seen about approval, power, control, comfort. They're all God substitutes. So it's important for us. These are the areas where uh, devil focuses his attention, power. By me, no. being service-minded. Being service-minded. Thank you, Pastor. Next, approval. How do you overcome our temptation? Approval. Humble and modest. Approval is basically we are seeking our identity in others' approval. If somebody doesn't approve us, we have lost that identity. Uh, it, it's slightly different from being humble, uh, proud. It's, it's, it's a different thing. We are seeking approval from others. Uh, God has approved us. Uh, beyond that, we are seeking some uh, human beings' approval. Okay, the next one is uh, comfort. What is the answer for approval, Pastor? We'll uh, go through this and then we will see. Okay. Okay, comfort. Control. You know, what we are studying, I'm just trying to help us to think in particulars, uh, otherwise it will be very general. Uh, so when we bring issues like this, these are our day-to-day -day, uh, problems. Uh, we deal with money, we deal with the issue of power, we all have power, we seek approval, we desire comfort, we desire to exercise control. So these are all real-time problems. So I'm just trying to help us to think over it. Now let's go to Proverbs 7 the very same uh, chapter. Now then, my sons, listen to me, pay attention to what I say, do not let your heart turn to our ways or stray into our paths. Many are the victims she has brought down, has slain are a mighty throng, her house is a highway to the grave, 
leading down to the chambers of death. Now, the first step, uh, whatever may be the subject, the first step is watch your heart. Do not let your heart. Okay, the first step. The second step will be straight into our paths. This will be the third step. Okay, the first step is watch your heart. Do not let your heart. Take care of your heart. That's why we have studied so much about heart in the beginning when we studied about wisdom literature, when we began this Bible study, we spent so much of time on heart, spirit, body. Uh, so watch your heart. Uh, temptation always starts in the inward thoughts. So we have to be careful. Uh, we can't stop ideas from occurring to us, but we must not entertain them. Uh, when we start fantasizing, uh, when we start rationalizing our own thoughts, uh, now justified, you know, rationalizing and convincing ourselves, nobody's watching, there'll be no consequences. Now, all of these thoughts are adding weight to that temptation. So that's why we have to be, we have to watch our heart. Uh, the second thing, um, we must not strain to our paths. You know, the world, people have different worldview. We should not stray into their paths. We should not try to become like them. Uh, that'll guard us from many uh, pitfalls. Uh, we should literally stay for, away from places, situations, and persons uh, that make it easy for our minds to go down the wrong uh, trail. We need to stray from their paths. Uh, they'll say, just come once. Hey, there's so much of fun. There is so much of light and there is so much of joy. We need to be careful. We must not stray into their paths. Third, uh, we should assure ourselves of the inevitable damage. and spiritual destruction that always comes, we will become dull. You know, conscience will become, it's no longer sensitive. It is no longer pricking us. So we have to be careful. Uh, that's why the, that's why Solomon says, her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Chambers of death. Read Proverbs chapter 7 and you see that her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Look down that highway and see the ultimate tragedy and wrongfulness of sin. Not today. See the journey. What's the end point? We need to see all that. Uh, remember, it always grieves God uh, when we reject the sacrifice that he made to save us in Jesus Christ. Uh, let me 
end this with this. Stupid animals see no connection between traps and death. And morally stupid people see no connection between their sin and death. I think that sums up very well uh, because the moment we see that it leads to death, we will not do that. So morally stupid people means when this is the way devil tempts us. And they see no connection and it can happen at any age, any age. And we need to be careful till the last breath. Uh, it is not that, you know, it is only at 40, 30, no, it is 50, 60, 70, 80, any age, any age. Uh, we need to be careful. Uh, I have completed on understanding temptation. Any questions? Uh, Sharon, did you get the answer or not? No. No. Uh, basically, we get all the answer in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died for us, he has approved us. And when we look at Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Godhead, you know, the second person of Trinity, the world that existed, uh, even before the creation of the world, he has approved me. When he has approved me, I don't have to run after people's approval. What I'm trying to say is if my identity is based on people's approval, does it all on extremes? Should, we, should you get an approval for your project? Of course you have to get an approval. Should, you, should your teacher approve your assignment? Of course your teacher has to approve. But it's not that when, when you come to your place, when I don't get this approval, that's my end of my life. My meaning, my purpose of my life comes to an end. That, that's that extreme. Uh, that is why we say approval becomes God's substitute. Jesus Christ has approved us. Uh, we don't, because it's not by doing this, I become important. No, not at all. We, we have to understand our identity in Jesus Christ. Is it clear or not it? Yes, Pastor. Thank you. We do our best, uh, but our life is not based on people. We do our best. We are sincere. We, uh, we work hard. Uh, we give our best. But our value does not come because somebody has approved us. No. That is why I said, uh, I always teach children when they write their exam, you worship God in and through these papers. It is not the marks that you get gives your approval. It's an act of worship. You work in your workplace as an act of worship. Your manager recognizes you get your promotion or not. Yeah, those are all painful, but that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is, is God pleased with you. Okay, anybody else? Okay, uh, if there are no questions, 
I presume there are no questions. So I'm going to leave you with questions. Uh, the next topic will be understanding emotion. Okay, I'm leaving you with two questions, okay? So you can, you can Google, you can study, you can do whatever you want, but you'll come with answers. <laughs> what advice will you give a person suffering from depression? What advice will you give a person suffering from depression? Okay, now the second question, though slightly related uh, to the first one. What advice will you give a person suffering from sleeping disorder or lack of sleep? What advice will you give a person suffering from sleeping disorder or lack of sleep? These are all practical questions. Um, uh, this will be quite interesting. And uh, it'll be interesting to study this. Uh, I'm sure we have all come across people who are depressed or at least we have been depressed at least from, from time to time, or uh, we have been suffering from sleeping disorder, lack of sleep. Uh, so what advice will you give a person suffering from sleeping disorder or lack of, these are practical questions. And then we will see in the wisdom literature what we what answers we have for these questions. Okay. Uh, any thoughts, any questions you have? It's quite interesting that uh, Proverbs covers so much of you know practical life that we struggle with each day. So it's, really, it's really a helpful and a blessed one. Proverbs is quite practical. Okay. There's nothing more to add. Uh, Pastor Prem, can you please say closing prayer? Father, we thank you that you had given us this privilege Lord, this grace to come into your presence to study, Lord, through your servant, beautiful Father teaching from the book of Proverbs. We thank you that we can learn ways of handling practical challenges, issues, difficulties, failures in our own lives. Yes, Father, none of us are perfect. We learn. And Lord, we want to submit ourselves once again for not only listening, but also learning by applying these truths into our lives. Father, we will see an improvement, Lord Master, day after day as we learn from your word. Lord, the practical ways of handling issues in life, challenges in life, difficulties in life, we will see a transformation in our own lifestyle. We thank you once again for this time. Bless your servant, anoint him, and even as Father Lord, we begin to, uh, Lord, uh, uh, ponder over these two questions. What advice Will we give a person suffering from depression? And what advice will we give a person suffering from sleeping disorder or lack of sleep? We pray that we will do a good study and come. And in the way, we will learn and we will be able to be a blessing to others. Thank you once again for this beautiful evening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you all.
Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.